0: Hello and welcome to Footballistically Arsenal. I am Boyd Hilton and I must begin by apologising because um, we did our last podcast a week ago. Josh, welcome Josh. And um, we totally failed, or I totally failed to acknowledge the fact that it was our last podcast of the year of 2020. 2020, 2020, 2020. (laughs) I've completely failed to thank the listeners listening in every week and for subscribing and downloading and all that. And I've totally forgot to thank you for all your hard work, which is you, you book the guests. You, sometimes you send a menu. You obviously have huge insights into what we're talking about. Arsenal, um, all of that. I forgot. I didn't do any of that. So I'm doing i I'm mentioning that at the beginning of this, our first podcast of 2021 to make amends for all of that. No, I think that's very kind of you to to do that. maybe as
2: as football podcasts and football minded people, we just think of years in terms of football seasons, and therefore those sort of messages yeah. feel appropriate come May rather than maybe December. But yeah, wishing everyone a, a very happy new year and to think I mean I don't know when when were you last at the Emirates Boy, presumably March, right? You didn't get to one of these two games. So we're closing in on 12 months. We're closing in on 12 months of not going.
0: That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I I think you're right about the football, but but having said that every other football podcast I listen to, I don't listen to that many, but I listen to a few and they all, they all said um, happy new year and you know, they all, they all all, all did that anyway. And happy Christmas and everything. Anyway, we've got a lovely guest, regular uh, guest. Now you described him in your um, WhatsApp message to me as AFC Camden. Um, uh, but of course, his actual his actual Twitter handle is A F Camden, A K A Dean. Hi, Dean. Is that was that a mistake, or did you want to call yourself A F C Camden and you couldn't? Or how, have we ever explained this your Twitter handle in that in this in depth way?
1: It's a good point. It's actually, a, excuse me, it's actually a hot topic. Um, it's meant to be A F C Camden in terms of you know, it, yeah, when, when you say it, um, but it just looked aesthetically a bit better with one C. Oh, um, interesting. So the C goes both ways. Uh, okay. So, um, but yeah, AFC Camden, uh, it's a
2: hot topic amongst my mates. Uh, I, I yeah. think it does look better. I think it looks better with 1C. I, uh, I wholeheartedly approve of that. Um, I did say we have Dean with us, and then uh, I didn't say we have AFC Camden with us. But um, we're delighted that you're with us. its I mean, I don't think Dean's been with, with us since, uh, like, March. I mean, it was, like, the week before this all this all kind of uh, COVID world and football stopping took place. So, and Boyd, we're recording this about 7, 7.15 on Monday night, and we're waiting for more announcements from Boris. Are you worried about football stopping? And do you think that would be good or bad for Arsenal, if we're selfish um, about this for a moment?
0: I don't, I don't, I'm not worried. I don't think they'll stop football. I don't think, I don't think that'll happen. Um, I think he's just going to put the whole country onto tier four, isn't he? And, um, and tell everyone to start observing the rules, which people haven't been doing clearly um, nearly enough. That's my guess. So I don't, I don't. I don't think. I don't think you'll stop football. I don't think there's any scientific basis to stop football because if if teams have too many people who are real with COVID, then they then they, as we've seen, when they call off the games. Um, uh, Welcome. Have we have we done, have we welcomed Dean officially to the podcast? Have I done that yet? Well, I'm you've, now I've confused myself. You've interrogated. Oh yeah, we did. We discussed weather. we discussed AFC Camden. How can I forget? Sorry. Um Dean, I'm gonna begin though, our chat, our discussion of um Arsenal's current form, current extraordinary uh, return to good form. Uh, by saying with a slightly provocative um, observation, which is that I don't know if you saw, um, well, of course, I'm sure you did. If you see um, Tierney's interview after the match, which was generally yeah. great, and obviously we, we love Tierney, and, e and um, you know we love the fact that he was wearing his no no tights on him, and you know no long sleeve shirt, and all of that, and he's he's become a folk hero for being for toughing things out like that. But I thought it was interesting after the game, he said. Um, and I, and I, I noted it down because I was so I, I raised my eyebrow so much. He said he was asked about the the, the turning, returning fortunes and the changing fortunes, and he said nothing's changed. Nothing's changed from a few weeks ago when we had that terrible run. And I thought, well, that's clearly the party line because Arteta keeps saying that as well, that nothing hasn't changed and that we were just unlucky back then when we were losing like eight games in a row, whatever it was. And clearly the players are sticking to this line. But of course, one thing has changed and that's the team lineup. And the particular thing that's changed in all the games with one is that fucking Willian hasn't been playing and that Emil Smith Rowe. And I know I mentioned this the last few weeks, and I know I, I am obsessed with it, but I do think it's the key point in our turn, return of futures. I really do, which is that the arrival of Emil Smith Rowe playing brilliantly in a, in a basically a number 10 role, the, the, the fact that William wasn't available. And that's why Arteta didn't pick him. And I think he probably would have picked him if he had been available three or four games ago. And that has absolutely been the key factor in our change of fortunes. It's totally inspired the young players to play better. It's given the whole team drive and energy and speed and pace that they didn't have four, three or four weeks ago. Am I, being, am I Am I exaggerating? But you have to look at what has changed. And that really is the key thing that's changed, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I think... Two things have changed really. Uh, the first thing is the the lineup, and yes, yeah, some people will say it was enforced with William being sick. Um, but having an actual number ten playing for the side has made a massive difference to our attack. It just is a lot more cohesive. Uh, we are not just kind of attacking down to the byline and crossing the ball then We're able to have someone in the middle who can link the play. I think the biggest thing with Emil Smith Rowe is when he receives the ball, he can turn on the ball, he can pass in all directions. Typically, when you see El get the ball, he passes the way that he faces. Same with Xhaka. And that just limits the way we play. We're quite slow. So I think that's the first thing. And secondly, confidence. Football's about confidence. And you get a couple of wins under your belt. You beat Chelsea in a big game. Uh, You go to Brighton and get a good 1 0 win against the Brighton side, who are probably, you know, their their position in the table is not accurate for their form, actually, they're actually playing quite well. Um, And then the game against West Brom, who are absolutely terrible. Like, probably the worst side I've seen since Derby in the Premier League, the <laughs> League we face. It's been a while. Um, and yeah, confidence, you know, it breeds um, confidence amongst the rest of the group and so on. So yeah, I think that they're the two main things that have happened. But if you look back to that run with Arteta, it was challenging because not only were we not getting the results, the performances weren't great either. Right? You know, our expected goals were quite low. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we looked like we can see chances. So yeah, it's been a massive turnaround and definitely been a change um, the party
0: line from Tierney for sure. Josh, we had a, discu- a a lively discussion last week where about who would get more game time in in the in the rest of the season whether Emil Smith Rowe, um, Willian, or Pepe. And you thought I was bonkers for thinking that ESR, as I'm now calling him might be regular in the team for the for the rest of the season. Do you are you beginning to doubt that now? Considering Pepe hasn't come on as sub still for a couple of, for a while, let alone been picked, and that William did come on, all right, on uh, in the game, immediately gave the ball away twice, I believe, in his first two touches. He did have one good moment. He had one pretty decent moment, a couple of decent moments. So I'm not being totally critical, but do you think actually that Emil Smith Rowe's performances have been so consistent and so game-changing that he probably will be in the, in the side, at least in the squad for the disabled. Boy, of all the things to draw out from the last couple of podcasts, I think
2: my faith and belief is the thing we should be pulling out, whereas it was barely a couple of weeks ago <laughs> that we had you and anyone who you seem to invite on this podcast who were calling that Arteta must leave and that uh, this was doom and gloom and nothing will turn around until, uh, until he did. And now here we are, uh, six points or so off... Um, you know, off hitting those European places. So um, I think we should mention that first and foremost. In terms of Emil Smith-Rowe, look, I'm not sure, um, y- you know, one game against West Brom, um, who I think I agree totally with Dean, one of the weakest Premier League sides we've, we've faced in ages, is going to convince me that he will be playing now every single three games, game.
0: Three, he's played three games
2: in a row. Yeah but I think you look at the circumstance of who's been you know available not available. I think I've been really impressed it's been fantastic to see um, the link up play, you know there's something very special isn't there just as being Arsenal fans to see a ball across from Smith Rowe for Saka to put in for that second goal you know, at the weekend, and to think, that's amazing. Here we are as, you know, one of the richest, uh, most successful clubs in the country, which makes us one of the biggest clubs in the world. And actually, we've got two two kids that have been at the club for, for an awfully long time, grown at Hale End, who are, you know, providing and scoring goals in the Premier League for us. I think we all feel brilliant about that. But I don't think you can, like, rule out now a 32-year-old Brazilian international from having any impact from now until the end of the season. And so, too, our £72 million signing. I still think Willian will I'm get more football that. than Emma Smith-Rowe. Emma, Willian, really? I think, will play more. Yeah, I do. What do you think, really? Dean, on that? Who would get more minutes for you? Like, not what you uh, necessarily want. What do you think will happen?
1: And logic suggests that William will play more because he's a Brazilian international. They brought him in on top wages, so they're going to want to get a return on investment. And, you know, Emil Smith-Rowe has quite a bad injury record as well for a youngster, so we can't really flog him either. You know, we've got to be smart with how we play him. But, you know, I think his form has really demonstrated that we need to sign that kind of creative midfielder that can play kind of anywhere across the front three, kind of in behind, left or right. Um, so that we don't just rely on Emil smith because the problem with William is he's not a like-for-like kind of replacement for Smith-Rowe. He plays, so, so, yeah, I think it's important in the upcoming transfer window that we do look to, you know, sign somebody, and there's been rumours for a number of players, and I think it's really important that we do that because we can't just rely on Emil smith um,
2: what What's interesting here is that we seem to be proactively trying to get... Um everything in order, let's say to have a a busy ish window by getting a couple of players out very quickly, which seems unusually organized from Arsenal. Mm. And we should mention Kolasinac because, you know, he's been, uh, you know, part of the side now for what, four, four seasons really, but to see him go to Shulka back to Shulka. And there's a lot of talk, you know, about Saliba going, going out uh, and maybe a couple of others. It, do you get the feeling, Dean, that we are we are readying ourselves to to improve the squad to get
1: someone in? I think so. Yeah, I think with uh, Saliba going out on loan, Kalasinac out on loan, hopefully will turn into a permanent. If if Schalke avoid relegation, um, Socrates there's some talk about him going to Turkey as well. You know, we've got a number of players who are surplus to requirements, and we've got a really really fat wage bill. So I think we obviously need to sell before we buy, or you know, release some of the players that we have, but. Yeah, it seems like all of the noises, if you think about the profile of player that, you know, is being linked with us, Isco, um, you know, Hossam in the summer, Emi Brendia, who is someone that I've, you know, personally, you know, heard quite a few rumours about over the last few months as well, really fits the profile of Emil Smith-Rowe, quite similar in terms of style of play, but more experienced, you know, probably a bit, you know, uh, a bit better than Emil Smith-Rowe in terms of his development. So it looks like the club, identify what the issue is they've put in emil smith row for now but they know that we need to kind of add to that in order to sustain this for the rest of the season because we can't just rely on one player who's basically transformed our attacking play in the last three games
2: yeah yeah interesting you mentioned it's it's it's, it's exciting no i agree i think it's it's super exciting but i think we can go overboard on the back of you know three three games you know um it's it's a it's a short sample period. What, what do you think, Boyd? Yeah.
0: Well, it is is a short... Well, just on the... On the Milsmith yes, uh, Roth thing, the reason why I'm very optimistic that I think he will um, play a large part. I mean, apart from injury factor, obviously. Um, but it reminds me of the Saka situation because Saka arrived in the team, if you remember, kind of by accident rather than design. And he was so brilliant that he um, just stayed, didn't he? He just, there was no, it was so, he was so great. I mean, after his first three performances, I'm sure we were probably saying the same thing. He's a young guy, you know, he's a teenager. He can't play every game. Well, he is playing every game. He has to played pretty much every fucking game that he's been available for in whatever position we've needed him to play. Since he arrived, since he arrived in the first team in, in the league, and I think potentially, obviously, who knows what's going to happen? I mean, in two weeks' time, he could be injured. Emil Smith Rowe could be injured. William could be back, and we could be back to the fucking boring, tedious nightmare that we had um, three weeks ago. But my hope is that the same thing will happen to Emil Smith Rowe as happened with um, with Saka, because I think when you see, a player doesn't play this well, and I think it's the difference between him and say Willock. And Nketiah, and I'm having this discussion in my Arsenal um, WhatsApp group with Derma and Dan, and all, all you know, um, all, all those guys I go to the match with. Like Dan has been saying, and I agree with him that Willock, you know, isn't uh, isn't he isn't at the level of Emil Smith Rowe, for example. I don't think, and I think you've seen that in the limited, you know, well, he's had quite a few chances in the league. Even Eddie Nketiah, and this sounds quite harsh, I'm, but I don't feel he has yet. You know, shown that he has Arsenal level of consistency and skill, and what you want from his position as goalscorer. Whereas I think Emil Smith has shown. In I know it's a small sample, but sometimes you just see the impact is so evident, and his skill set is so obviously what we need that it would be perverse to not go quite overboard on the transformative effect he's had, and to hope. And I don't know, but to hope that he does the same, does a Saka and stays in the team, in and around the team, pretty, pretty, you know, permanently from now on. Yeah. I mean, and, it, and I say are... that as a fan of Pepe. I think Pepe.
2: Go on. No, their journeys are a little bit different, I guess. Right, like Saka literally came from, you know, youth football at Arsenal, and you know, into the first team and has has been really involved. You know, Smith Rowe has had, you know, first team experience and has been, you know, loaned out twice: once to to go to Leipzig in in Germany, once to go to, you know, Huddersfield, and wasn't given a sniff in the Premier League. Until three games ago, having been around the first team sort of, you know, all season, so there's just a little bit of caution there in what Arteta didn't see or, well, or the, what he was waiting on because this isn't like it's an 18-year-old. Yeah, well, well, I think it's maybe, the stubbornness maybe.
0: of the manager in not picking it. Everyone maybe, was clamoring maybe. for it. Dean, more important, I mean, that second goal, the goals. Let's just talk about for a minute. Let's just revel. Because it's been a while, isn't it? I mean, it's been a it's been a long while since we scored a goal like the second one, which was an incredible, beautiful team goal. I mean, one one may say, you know, ball like I mean, we <laughs> did score goals like that. I remember in the early days of um his successor as manager. I remember when, you know, back in the days when I think Urza was still playing, you know, we scored a couple of really good goals, didn't we? Team goals. But this was magnificent, wasn't it? And Emil Smith wrote to bang on him about him even more was at the center of it.
1: Yeah, he was, he was superb, and that first touch with his left foot, um, it was very Ozil-like actually, in terms of the way he just caressed the ball into uh, towards the six-yard box and then laid it on the plate. It was kind of flashbacks to the kind of football we used to play, it reminded me of a goal we scored, um, it felt like the goal we scored at Anfield uh, many years ago, I think it was the area that got on the end of it, but it was like little triangles played through and then a little dink over the keeper, but... Um, I think we we do need to advise caution on him just because he's a young player. I think the best compliment you can give him is he's come into the team and he doesn't look like a kid. You look at Eddie and he does look like a bit of a kid up there, gets bullied by centre-halves. Yeah. Willock as yeah. well, almost looks like he's kind of, you know, a, a bit of a headless chicken at times kind of running around the pitch, whereas Emil Smith-Rowe, Saka, you know, even Balogun to an extent. They come, they have presence, they look quite calm. Right. So, I think the, the future yeah. is bright. We can be optimistic, but I think it would be remiss of the club not to address that position in the transfer market, just to support Endless Mithra um kind of you know, moving forward as well.
2: Yeah, I mean I, there were articles on online today about You know, Arsenal no longer interested in Isco due to Emil Smith-Rowe's form. I mean, it's just got to be nonsense. Can't go to West Brom, who so gladly will be taken down to the championship by Sam Allardyce and Brighton. And and okay Chelsea, but, you know, you can't not decide to sort out that position in, in the team, especially if we are shipping out you know it's it's a lot of wages being off the bill potentially in the next uh, you know already in the last few days or or in the days ahead so you know it looks like they they're making room and suddenly you you can see a value like if we were still say 14th 15th and it'd only taken 3 points or but this season is is not a write off. Like so so far from it in the league in terms of you know making sure that there is European football you know next season, which we you know we've been blessed. We've had European football every year for what, however many years now 20, 25 odd years. It is huge that we we get in there, and if it is going to take one more player to 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 bolster our chances of doing that, then you know absolutely, I think we um, we're it-
0: hopefully going to go and do it, Boyd. Isn't it, I think I think there's some confusion about the Isco. Um, I think I hear that. Uh, actually, I'm sure um, Dean knows more about this than I do because Dean's record at um, knowing what's going to happen with transfers is pretty pretty Tim. spot on. <laughs> yeah, um, but I I think that they've dropped Isco interest because they kind of have other options that are better, a younger, particularly because Isco is what like late twenties, whereas yeah. the one Buendia is 24, I think. And Brandt is the other one that's been mentioned quite a lot, Judy and Brandt at, um, at Borussia Dortmund, who's also 24, who are both creative uh, players as well. They're just clearly better options, aren't they, than Isco, Dean, at, at this moment?
1: Yeah, massively. We, we need to think beyond the next six months, you know, in terms of the transfers that we're making. I think um, bringing in a player like that as well, it gives you the option. Because if, if you bring in Isco, what happens then is you're kind of forced to play him every game. And then that kind of crowds out Emil Smith Rowe's development. You've made a commitment, you want to return on that investment. Whereas if you bring someone in like Brendia, who's, you know, shown really good pedigree in the Premier League last season in a very poor Norwich side. Um not very not very poor Norwich side, but you know, got relegated quite easily. Um and and also this season he seems to be doing quite well as well. And twenty-four years old, you can get him on a long term contract, five years' time. You know, if it works out great, he stays at the club. If not, he'll still have significant sell on value in that period. But it's important to address that position. I think it's been pivotal to our success in the last three games. It's what we've been missing. You know, you look at all of the charts, and our our play was just going down the flanks. And you know, if Emil Smith Rowe gets injured, you know, which is you know, could could well happen. He's got a pretty you know bad injury record uh, as a youngster. What what happens then? Who do we play in that position? Do we bring Ozil back? You know, that's probably something that people don't want to do. So, yeah, I think well, it's or try important. William <laughs> no. well, which was. <laughs> Which was the disaster it wasn't it? Yeah. now I think uh, that would be yeah, yeah, have you heard
0: i remember you you um you said that we were gonna sign party, didn't you um before we did um we went a lot of people um were saying that we didn't have the money and you know it was couldn't happen do you hear have you who do you think is the most likely of those players that for us to sign? have you heard anything particularly yeah, the, the
1: only name I've heard over the last couple of months is Brindia and right. uh, a few. About a week ago, I heard about a potential um, cash-plus-player deal, you know, a couple of youngsters on loan to help them with their promotion push. Um, it's really in in kind of... The ball's in Brandia's court. He's on a long contract. He's, you know, playing well for Norwich, who are, you know, in the top of the championship when we hit the top of the championship. So he's going to have to really push for the move in order for Norwich to sanction that deal. Um, but that's the only name I've really heard touted and never heard much about Isco. Um, Hossam kind of faded away in the summer. Uh, so to speak, and I, I think it would be an excellent signing, really, really good value, um, and could make the world of difference to the second half of our season.
0: So a play <laughs> like a player like Willock could go to them, presumably. In in um...
1: Willock, Reese, Nelson, a um, couple of the names that have been touted, which would be good for their development as well. So I think it, it's got all the hallmarks of a good deal.
2: I mean, even I think Callum Chambers, it feels like it isn't isn't being given the, the opportunities this season and. You know, he could leave um as well. I mean, the Ozil situation, you know, feels far too beyond repair, but there must still be massive ambition from the club to to see him leave this month, you know, by some way, even if they're paying still a, a fair whack of the wages just to get him out. So um I'm sure they're doing everything they can to, to try and uh, persuade him. Gently out the door because you know even you know wh- whatever a hundred grand a week saving whatever it is for six months is uh is still something.
0: He doesn't yeah. seem to want to. He doesn't seem to want to go. I, I I don't think I don't think we're going to get get him out. I really don't. I doubt it very much. I think position? it's going to be a case of yet.
1: Yeah. Six months left. Say again. If you think about his position, he's got six months left on his contract. He's on astronomical wages yeah. here at Arsenal. He's going to go and get a fat signing on for an American club or a Turkish club in, in six months' time. I think our best bet is to kind of agree like a six-month loan with him so he can just, you know, I think there are people that just want him away from the club for a six-month period, a six-month yeah. loan, so yeah. then he can go ahead and, and kind of have his free transfer um, come the summer as well.
2: Boy, boy, did you see these comments from Liam Brady?
1: Yes. About Meza Ozil. What did you yes. make
2: of that? That was uh, interesting.
0: And, yeah. uh, and got a lot of coverage. I mean, I think it's fair enough. I think, well, I think it was it was harsh. I mean, he's, he, he, but it was a reminder for me from an absolute Arsenal legend. First of all, you know, I've seen more younger, you know, younger, <laughs> inexperienced social media Arsenal fans slagging off Liam Brady and saying he was, you know, like barely, uh, barely, uh, had knowing anything that he contributed to the club. Uh, Liam Brady is an absolute cast-iron Arsenal legend, first of all. Um, you know, he was one of our greatest players of the 70s and um, extraordinary, brilliant player um, at a time when we weren't exactly known for having skillful midfielders. Um, so he is a genius. He was a genius at Arsenal. I won't have a word said against him. And he, what he was pointing out, because you forget, but a lot, you know, it, it does need to be pointed out that uh, while Ozil may well have been treated harshly and, you know, I think there has been an issue with the consistency of which Arteta has dealt with players in terms of, you know, consigning certain players to the waste bin or banishing them from the team and allowing others, willy and again, to to play. Um, but the problem with... with um, with Ozil was that he was in decline, and he's been in decline for ages. And that's the problem with him. You know, he's, just, he, and, and the arrival of the, funny enough, again, the Smith-Rowe factor, it's, a, it's you know, remember the thing that people used to, Ozil's fanboys used to say about him was his skill, his, his contribution to games was so subtle, wasn't it? That you barely noticed it. Well, I think we all noticed him Smith's Smith-Rowe contributions to, to the last three games he's played because he's just been obviously brilliant. And done the things that Urza wasn't doing, i.e., make assists and keep passes to help create goals. He just wasn't, hadn't been doing that for a long time. So, the main thing about Urzal is that he's a player in decline. He's not, he's not, he's the past. Emma Smith Rose, the future. So, I think Liam Brady was, his wording was quite, quite extreme, but he's right, isn't he? Dean, he's right about Urzal.
1: So, uh, I don't know. Brady's not been around the club for a few years. So, I don't know how privy he is to kind of, uh, what's actually happening in the locker room but when he speaks you have to listen he's obviously an Arsenal legend it, it, it's a shame to see uh, kind of Ozil's career at Arsenal end in this way um I think we've got ourselves to blame for a lot of it the way that we handle contracts you know we were basically forced into that position because we had both Sanchez and Ozil with six months remaining and the club would have yeah. been, you know fans would have been up in arms if we didn't sign at least one of them to a the contract and Ozil had us over a barrel we free transfer Sanchez up to Manchester United so I think people give him stick for his contract but any professional will try and maximize their earnings right you know we all do it in our careers and it's understandable but I think there has been a steady decline in performance you know even if it's just two or three percent that's the difference that it makes at the top of the game so that's been a shame um but I think we, we've got ourselves to blame in terms of our contract management and you know we've got to get it right now in terms of yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. signing like I think holding there's a lot of talk about holding signing a new contract, and people up in arms because it's you know, the kind of players that we should be having at centre-back. Holding is a very good squad centre-back. You know, he costs a couple of million quid, he's homegrown. You know, there is no downside to signing him to a longer-term contract. We know English players hold their value quite well. He's got two and a bit years remaining. If we don't sign him to a new contract now, we're going to lose four centre-halves in the summer. We can't lose him. He's got 18 months remaining on his contract, and we're in the same position. We're kind of going to be throwing money at him that we shouldn't be throwing at him, so... I think, yeah, contract management will help us avoid these kind of issues with players in the future. Um, but it's, it's been quite sad to see what's what's happened with Ozil in the end. It's uh, been, a, been a shame.
0: Yeah, oh, yeah, I agree. It's sad. I I just think, but I, I I think it makes sense. I don't think I don't think it makes sense to to try and bring him back or anything of that. sort. I think it's well, over. He I undermined so.
1: himself, wouldn't he, Arteta, by kind of leaving him yeah. out in the cold when we were dying for a creative midfielder for, for half of the yeah. first half of the season. Um, and to bring what him do back you
0: think... Now. What do you think of the Saliba situation? So as as we mentioned, he's everyone's saying he's gonna to go to Nice on loan with and not with a view they won't they, with a view to bringing him back to Arsenal after that. Um what do you have any particular insight? It is a mystery, it's one of the great mysteries of the season is what happened to Saliba. I and and in fact, again, people are asking me, you know, what the fuck has happened? What you know, it's weird that I know we've got a lot of centre backs. But it's not like that many of them have been that great that you wouldn't give him a chance. He costs, you know, a fair, decent amount of money. Not that much short of 30 million, I think it was, wasn't it? And he was supposed to be as the the promising with Fafana, who's flourished, hasn't he, by contrast at Leicester. It is weird. Has, is there some element of it that, you know, is being kept under wraps or something? Or is it just that he has not? Performed in when he's been given a chance in whatever games he's played for the, you know, whatever the the Arsenal teams he's played in the under 23s or whatever?
1: The only thing I've heard was that they weren't, they didn't register him or something on a technicality that for some reason. But that was to go on loan. Yeah. um, I think to notice to to play in the first half of the season, that's, I don't know how accurate this is. There was some kind of technical issue. And I think Arteta alluded to it a couple of months ago where he said something something about registration. I'd have to look into it. But the only thing I heard was, Apparently, there was some technicality which meant he could not play in the first half of the season. And I don't know if the club were embarrassed to kind of admit that they didn't register him um, because he does not count as homegrown, even though he's a young player. I think he has to be registered. Um, but yeah, that, that's all I've heard. I don't know how accurate that is, though. Okay. Mm. Which would be a bit strange. That's, yeah, that, that would be because they think they would just come out and, and say it. I mean, the, the problem is Boyd with, with
2: Saliba in the situation he's in. For whatever reason, they've got themselves into this situation. He has to go and play football because his resale value right now would be a huge loss, presumably, on because he yeah. wouldn't have played football in, in in six months and no one's seen him. So the hope has to be that he goes, he plays, you know, every game, and you know, in the French top division, and then they can have another look, I guess, in preseason um, next year. But. um it is certainly a strange one. I remember being in the away end at, at Vicarage Road. Um, I think he'd just sort of been over in London and 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 done the deal. And he was there in this massive yellow bomber jacket in the away end, not looking particularly uh, discreet. And it was like, wow, well, you know, here is this thirty million pound centre back who I think was eighteen at the time who we signed, and you you felt like we were signing one of the great young defenders in Europe to to be sent for that kind of money. So yeah, let's hope that it's. Um, it's not all uh, quite doom and gloom because um yeah we we are not blessed with like incredible centre backs we are we are blessed at the moment with n- numerical options but not with you know absolute certainties who should be you know starting and who there's absolutely no debate who goes on the on the team sheet um not least seen by the fact that how much you know Kieran Tierney has had to play as one of a back three and we've played as a back three so um yeah we'll just have to to see how that one uh, that one plays out but I'm excited for a little bit of business even if it's only Buendia as uh, as Dean's tip oh off.
0: yeah Buendia would be great yeah let's take a quick break and after the break I want to talk about Tierney um particularly and um uh, some of the others some of the other players as well Bellerin etc but let's take a quick break first.
1: Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag coolerKingbike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF.
0: And we're back from the break. Um we have to talk about Tierney because I mean I think he's been the key, isn't he? I mean he, to, to give To give Arteta credit, I mean, it feels like he's really forced the issue of getting the full-backs, Tierney and Bellerin, who has absolutely, you know, returned to at least attacking form. And I think actually, to be fair to both of them, I think their defensive work, you know, it's not like we're shedding loads and loads of goals um, at the moment. So, but certainly as an attacking force, the backs it's like Liverpool-like, isn't it, really? That he's really got them bombing forward, creating chances, um, but Tierney in particular, and that goal was fucking incredible, one of the goals of the season. Um, I just think you have to. Uh, Alan Alga says he's defensively not, you know, doubt, doubts him defensively. It, it, what about you, dude? Do you think, I mean, there's no doubt his attacking prowess is just astonishing now, and he's really getting the final ball, isn't he, as well? I mean, sometimes it's just him passing to himself like he did and then scoring yeah. in that, that way, kick him like on. he did on yeah, incredible. But he what But what I think, I love him. I, mean, I, I And I think defensively, he's perfectly sound. I think, you know, when he's, you know, he's had to do with various formations and various roles that the manager's given him. But I, there's been one or two moments where he's been out of position or whatever. But I think all of our players are capable of being out of position in, in you know, in that terrible run we had. But generally, I think he's fantastic.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think he's been a brilliant signing. 25 million, that is a, that is a steal, really. Uh, for a player of his caliber. And I think defensively, there are some questions. I think you can get beaten one-on-one, occasionally by a tricky winger, um, but he's not often had the best protection in front of him. But I think you sign Tierney to play attacking football, so full-backs spend most of their time in the opposition half-right. That's how we want to play. We want to play high press, you know, full-backs going down the wing, crossing the ball in. His crossing is fantastic. He gets his head up. So... I think there's a lot to like about him, obviously areas to develop, um, you know, defensively. Um, on the other side, Bellerin, you know, I, I really like Bellerin. I think he's a great kind of ambassador for the club. I think he's had a good career here. Uh, I think his runs are amazing, kind of both going forward and defensively. He's, he's quite good, you know, in his recovery. But unlike Tierney, I feel like he can be left wanting with his final products, you know, um, or end products. Yeah. I don't know how think about that in terms of comparing Hellerin, uh, Bellerin and uh, Tierney.
0: Yeah, but I think the good thing about whats I agree with the end product issue, but it's the it's the partnership with Saka, isn't it? That's now that yeah. now that Zucker's playing on his side, that has been a brilliant um, element to um, the recent form that we've had, isn't it? And that, you know, you're right. And that's actually the issue of his final ball isn't necessarily his final product isn't necessarily so extreme because he's got Saka as the outlet and they're either, you know, overlapping each other. That that relationship has been key, I think, isn't it?
1: Definitely been been much better than Bellerin and Pepe. I think Pepe's kind of left Bellerin exposed quite a bit. They often take up similar areas, whereas Zaka likes to come inside a bit more, which opens up that right flank for Bellerin. Um yeah, you know, I think Bellerin's been been a good servant. I just sometimes get a bit frustrated with his his own products, uh, especially when yeah. team, you get know, how consistently he puts the ball in the back of the box, uh, back of, into the box. Um but yeah, you know, I think we can be relatively happy with, with our fullbacks. There. They're they're of a good standard.
0: Yeah. Josh, do you think how um it is you you mentioned right at the beginning when I I I joshingly referred to our discussion about the uh Mill Smith Row issue of last week that that you you had um fairly staunchly defended um Arteta when yeah, we did have one one podcast. Yeah, we had two guests, didn't we? Two of our experienced old, old, old Arsenal fans who both called for Arteta. Nick and Graham. And Nick and Graham. Um and I was like wavering, and I think—I mean, I think a lot of fans are wavering. I wasn't—I wasn't, I wasn't hashtag Arteta out I was not Rao. Let me make that quite <laughs> clear. Never. But you'd have to have been pretty—I mean, he did get—we did get into a big, big old mess, didn't we? And I know, and obviously, three games on, you know, now in in the after the Christmas period, as you say, we're now six points off. You know, being in contention for Europe and all of that, which is great. But can we discount? Can we dismiss that terrible period? And are you, are we absolutely certain that we're not going to go through that kind of um, period again? Are you confident that he's learned? Has he learned a lesson? Is there any sign, you know, in what he says after matches and what he says in press conference? Does that matter that he's learned from what happened in those in that terrible run?
2: Well, I think uh, you know, t- time will tell. Right. What what can we really say other than all. Oh, you, you could argue like the Chelsea result, brilliant, beating a team that we are hoping to uh, aspire to be in or around come the end of a season. And then we've gone and beaten Brighton and West Brom, which, you know, any season Arsenal, we would probably hope and expect that we can, you know, go and win those games. Even if, you know, last year was, you know, the game at Brighton where we slipped up. And I did see a stat. I don't know if Dean knows the exact figures, but we are... Ahead of where we are on the equivalent games, I think from um, last season, which is which is At also one point, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, cautiously um, encouraging news. Look, I, I think you you feel like Dean mentioned it earlier. In every footballer you speak to, or ex-footballer. One result is all it takes suddenly just to turn the momentum. And, yeah, I don't think we're going to go on another run like we have been and find ourselves back down in the sort of lower parts of the, you know, 14th, 15th again this season. I I don't. Um, Massive couple of games coming up. Palace... Newcastle to really put ourselves there, and I think we spoke about it on on the last pod, didn't we? About how many points are we hoping to be on by the turn of the season, you know, so to speak, by the time we've played nineteen games, and if we can get to twenty nine, I think it's a brilliant return, which gives you every chance of of hitting, you know, six. If that has to be probably where we are hoping to be, I mean, there's so many teams above us who are beating each other. We saw, you know, West Ham go to Everton, a, a, you know, a, a game that many people probably would have had down as a, a home win. So it's not going to be straightforward, but I think this is a massive turning point. Uh, I, I see more, there looks like there's happiness and there's smiles, whether that's by the fact that certain players haven't been available, like you alluded to with Willian, or whether, you know, Arteta has... You know, managed to you know instill a newfound confidence in them on the back of just one result against Chelsea. I don't know, but I, I genuinely, I, think, I know yeah. I'm always quite positive, Boyd. But I really think we're we're heading to you know we're, mm. we're heading in the right direction now.
0: I think Dean that um, Arteta. I think he's cleared his head. You know, I, I, it feels like to me. Like I, I feel like when we're in the middle of that terrible run, and he was doing things like putting Lacazette as you know back in in, in a number ten role and playing really playing him really deep and. um like I said, it was, and uh, of course, it, it coincided with Aubame- the Aubameyang factor, which, which, which we should talk about. And he still, uh, you know, he's still, I mean, he had plenty of chances to score, didn't he, in, in the game? He still seems to be the one player who's in, who's still in that trough of form. But I think in that terrible run, Arteta couldn't see; he just couldn't see a, a logical way of getting us out of it. And every decision he made felt like it was like the wrong decision. And then since since we since we won since we've turned it around in this in this turnaround whether it's permanent whether it's long term or not, I feel like the decisions he's making now are all coming good. Like putting Lacazette on a sub and him scoring within twenty two seconds or whatever it was, you know those and his team selection like dropping he dropped Martinelli mm-hmm. um, this week. And that worked really well because Lacazette was great. And Lacazette totally is retaining regaining some of that form, that made him player of the year. Do you know what I mean? I feel like there's a more of a clarity of thought in him as well, coinciding with the clarity of play of which the team's playing.
1: Yeah, totally agree. I, I'm very much with Josh in terms of I was you know, on, in the Arteta boat and we just needed to ride out that period, which was pretty tough. And I understand why a lot of people got frustrated, you know, in this day and age with social media, you know, one win in eight or whatever it was. I don't even know if it was that. You know, you have. if you remember Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's head was being called for a few months back, you know, after we beat them at Old Trafford and now they're joint top and they're probably going to get a new contract. So things can change very quickly in football. I think, as Arsenal fans, we need to... I think, is it fair to say that it was quite... It was unanimous in terms of Arsenal fans wanting Arteta to be manager. And a lot of us wanted him before Emery. Um, You know, we heard good things about him. Um, I mean, once we go down that route, we accept that we've got a rookie manager taking his first job as a first-team coach. We need to accept there's going to be bumps in the road, and this is very much about a long-term plan. And I think I always look back to the FA Cup run and the way that we played in some of those big games. It just gave me so much confidence that this is a manager that knows how to win football matches. Like <clears> it comes down to that. Then, you know, even throughout that run, he was getting, you know, pulled from pillar to post, you know, people were having a go at him. But he never really lost his composure throughout. I know he did throw out a few dodgy stats at one point. Um, I think you know, When you speak to anyone around the game, anyone at the club, they speak so highly of him as a manager and as a, you know, a man manager as well in terms of his relationship with players. And I think we have to accept that there are going to be some significant bumps in the road. And I expect in the second half of the season, you know, you know a turning form again, at some point, you'll we'll have a couple of games where we'll put, we won't play well. Um, we just got to write it out. You know, I think we are probably based on our squad, maybe top six, top seven. And I think if we're around that point, do well in the cups, we can be quite happy. But we, we've got to stick with him. We can't chop and change. We have to kind of trust this process over the next couple of years, unless we kind of at like risk of relegation.
0: Yeah, I mean, we almost were. That was the thing, wasn't it? It just it got so bad. I mean, well, I mean, factually, you know, we were we were you know what four points above the relegation zone. I mean, it was it was a it was a terrible terrible run. But I do think, I think the reason why I didn't go for fully for the Arteta route thing is as some of our some of our friends and guests on the podcast is just just because I feel like I I still, I I think any manager, you know, even the most experienced of managers, I mean, it happened with Veng, of course. I mean, for me, particularly towards the end, but it happened every now and then that they just say, nonsense in press conferences and after games and before games and they are stubborn they have periods of great stubbornness where they can't whether they play the same players week in week out even though everyone can see they're not performing that happens to every single manager and as you say what's happened to man united is is absolutely pertinent here because i don't think i still don't think Oleg solskjaer is is that impressive a coach and frank lampard at Chelsea's going through, you know, that right now. I mean, he will be amazed if he survives at the end of the week um, as it happens at the moment. So these young managers, and they're both more experienced than Arteta, of course. So, but what I do think is that I think the what this period has proven is the players are with him. We, like, he never lost that horrible phrase, lost the dressing room and all of that. And I think you can see that the players do are going to play for him. Aubameyang is the one mystery isn't it what has happened to Aubameyang <laughs> and what will are we kind of uh, Is the fact that he got those at least he got those chances in the game on on the game on Saturday um but it's a bit weird isn't it that he's that I mean some people pointed to his felt that he was his overall performance wasn't that great I thought he had a perfectly decent game um but what did you think
2: Dean? I, I think he had a good game I mean Dean you tweeted out didn't you I think in in relation to Uh, of Bamiyang's performance actually being fairly, fairly strong?
1: Yeah. Aside from not getting a goal, I think he was, you know, he worked pretty hard, you know, up until the last 10 minutes, he had a few chances to score goals. I think I'd be massively concerned if he wasn't getting any areas to score goals. I think that's when you're probably worried. There's a really good piece on blog actually um, earlier in the week where they looked at his movement, where he was getting in the box, um, his expected goals and... Yeah, he was, you know, it's just a matter of kind of uh, when, not if, if the team keeps playing the way that we are. But well, what do you guys think of Lacazette's form in terms of, I know we're talking about Aubameyang, but how Lacazette seems like a different player now that you've got players closer to him working with him?
0: Oh, 100%. Absolutely, yeah. Because yeah. Lacazette thrived, didn't he, when he first came to the club, when he, we, we did have the likes of Ozil, you know, playing with yeah. him. and giving around
1: corner.
0: Cre- yeah, yeah. I th- I'm so pleased for him, I have to say. I've always defended him. I mean, you know, I'll defend him till the day I die. <laughs> um, I just think he's a more, you know, I don't want to go into the whole giroud lac comparison thing, but <laughs> I only mentioned that. Just, I, I think I think when his normal game, and I think he's back to his normal game now of being a very, very strong, powerful centre forward who can hold up play and who can link player and who can is, is a pretty good passer of the ball, distributor of the ball and, you know, can score some brilliant goals. So I, I think, yeah, I think it's it's just, I think he's back to the form, something like the form and obviously anything could go wrong again. But yeah, it's really helped, isn't it, having players like Milsmith-Rowe, Martinelli and all that and Zuckerberg. system definitely. has massively helped him. Yeah. He the system has definitely game. helped
1: him, yeah. Because he's not the kind of yeah. striker that can just stay out there on an island by himself. He just gets a bit lost. No, he can't run past no. the centre-back. He's not going to go in behind because he's not the quickest. I think a lot of people were frustrated with him because he misses a lot of chances, I think. Um, but I think he's quite... He looks like a confidence player, you know? So, you know, hopefully... Yeah, now yeah. Got- but, all, I mean, Giroud missed loads of ch- always
0: misses chances as well. But, you know, he pe- people have suddenly decided he's the greatest player ever to have lived <laughs> in this absence from Arsenal. But I also think that... I also think they make... It makes um, it makes Aubameyang happier to have Lacazette playing and in and in good form. I think that you know because people are saying that Aubameyang looks you know pissed off. I think he only looks pissed off when he misses a chance or when he's not getting chances. I think he looks he looks so happy. He looks so happy whenever Lacazette scores and that friendship and that relationship and they do. And I still think they, it's perfectly valid to have them together as he's, in that team in that lineup he picked and in that formation. I think absolutely that absolutely does work and it was proven to work. Um, and you know, if, it could have been five or six if Aubameyang had to score those chances. Josh, it can't, it can't be easy
2: being the club captain three weeks ago. Wh- whatever situation, right? Um, you know, whatever the man is like, to have to come out and and you know do do your obligations when you're just losing game after game and you know in danger of breaking records for consecutive home defeats and whatnot. That's, there must be a lot on his shoulders, even without supporters in the stadium and everything else that came with it. Just the the, the what we got from that one win against Chelsea in terms of just general attitude and, you know, it, it's something you know players sometimes talk about smiles on your faces about about being happier on a pitch and just seeing them on you know Saturday. Yes, it's only West Brom and it's a game we you know we we were comfortably better than the opposition but suddenly things turned and, and bamiang it wasn't like he was anonymous you know he he, he had shots he didn't quite go in yeah, yeah. Um, I he's, and, and I'm just like I, I think you know what if we can go on a little run now without even Abamiyang because let's not forget just how many goals he scored in the last two seasons we're talking about someone who shared the golden boot by someone who was one goal off being the golden boot like if we're managing to come back into form and in contention for Europe without his goals then when they do come and of course they'll come because the is far too good for them not to come, then then I think I'm excited for for what could come in the second half of of the season. I was just worried. It did feel like three weeks ago or three games ago, to be more precise. You were wondering what on earth we could possibly pull from this season because it it kind of felt like, what are we hoping for here? Top 10 place. And it's amazing how quickly um, it has turned around and, and hopefully how it will how it will continue to do, but you know,
0: I, I, I... it's, a, it's, a, it's, oh uh, yeah, it's a valuable excited. lesson. I was, yeah, I'm excited as well. i particularly excited when you think that, you know, we've got Gabriel and um, party to come back, you know, who really are the spine, you know, in theory, they're the spine of, of Arteta's team, aren't they? That's what, you know, they're the signings he made that he wants to be the key central defender and central, central midfielder. And they haven't, and you know, they haven't been even playing in this winning run. So, you know, I do think we've got Martinelli. You know, who, who you know can be in and out of the team and can contribute so much. I think it's a salutary reminder. I think to myself, as much as anything, that actually, I think our squad. And funnily enough, um, who is it? It's Ben Winston, isn't it? Ben often, sometimes messages us, you and me, Josh, and thinks that this is our strongest squad for years. I think, I think it's a much stronger squad. It's the imbalance is obvious. All right, Getting, apart from the issue of our overpaid older players that we can't get rid of, forgetting that for a minute, which is obviously a huge issue that they're hopefully dealing with, starting to deal with. But I do think it is a stronger squad on paper than than we've had for a long time. With that spine, you know, Leno's perfectly good. Um, And the young players coming through, Zaka being one of the best young players in Europe, you know, right now. Martinelli as Mill Smith really skillful forward players, you know. so it's it's and, and if we get that creative midfield player, if we could somehow get rid of Xhaka, you know, who again he's kind of incorporated, hasn't he, into this revival. He's played all, all the games, either with El Nelly or Sabios, and he's been fine. He's been absolutely fine. I, then I think we've got a really good we've got potentially a really good squad who can get into so, Europe.
2: We, we've also got to be careful here of we've won three games and, and let's not go massively yeah, no, no, no.
0: I still think we're going it's... to come about seventh
2: or eighth. I actually, you know, I think probably seventh is, is where we'll probably end up come, come the end of a season. I think and... sixth is entirely possible. I'm yeah, going yeah, massively I higher than, than sixth. No, I, but I, you know, look, there are still going to be podcasts we're going to do this season when we've lost another shit game that we you yeah, know, yeah, probably yeah, yeah. um win. not So I'm not I'm not going wide overboard. I'm just um, I'm just glad that I think those that were calling for Arteta to go and that this was um, impossible to turn around the situation. I think there's there's just a little bit at least of, of calm there and a little bit of of proof to people that we are. As, we, as it yeah. often feels, right, we're in this sort of immediate, like everything's terrible or everything's great
0: and it's not like that. Well, you know, we obviously we, we react. The, the thing is, I think that, that my only worry is that that run was so awful and some of our test t- decision-making was so terrible that I just worry that that's possible to happen again. And that's that's my only worry. But I do think we've got the players. I think we've got the players and the team and the squad to finish sixth, which, you know,
1: I'd be happy with Dean.
0: Where do you think? Where do you think and hope we'll finish? Hope oh, top
1: four, but I am an optimist by nature. Wow, um, the, the league is very condensed. You know, like free. free the league games. is
0: incredibly condensed, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's
1: true. Incredible. I a friend uh, messaged me this morning, and we, we're technically joint fifth in terms yeah. of points uh, yeah. with yeah. Leeds, so we, we're not far off. You know, a couple of wins, and and you're right up there. I think there are going to be bumps in the road. I think we have to accept that. With a young manager, he's going to make mistakes. He made mistakes recently, but I think the thing that really kept me going during that run was, weirdly, the Europa League form. It kind of mm. showed that actually, when we're superior in terms of the playing staff that we have, we actually play a really good brand of football and we score goals and we create chances. And that kind of gave me hope all the way through that period that, that you know we would turn it around once we got the mix of players correct. So, yeah, I think you know I'm probably with you both sixth or seventh uh, this season, but I, I'm hopeful for top four. You know, I remember when we were 2 0 down to Spurs, 13 points behind them. And we were never going to get top four. You know, that was a horrible moment. I think it was 2011 or 12. I can't remember. Um, and we came back to beat them 5-2 and we, ne- we never really looked back. So, you know, stranger things have happened.
0: Oh, yeah, completely. Yeah. I mean, you're right. We're six, I mean, we are currently six points off Tottenham in fourth, you know, and plenty of, you know, a lot of games to go. I mean, it's, I mean, yeah. I mean, what you have so, to
2: say is you look, you look at Chelsea's squad and what they have been able oh. to invest for them yeah. to only be three points ahead of us when we feel we've had
0: oh the worst
2: season we've had in a you know in in several decades yeah. then, then that is extraordinary. So here's hoping within a couple of weeks we'll we'll even be ahead of them possibly. It's what, slightly what, annoying, isn't it? Go on.
0: Yeah. What, no,
2: I was going to say we and look. We you know and also you know we've got an FA Cup to defend and we'll, and we begin that at the weekend.
0: So I don't know if you were. Oh, I was going to say. Oh, Southampton just gone one nil up against Liverpool. By the way, after five minutes, um, uh, I'm just saying slightly... this Podcast once they know yeah, the full time score, exactly. We'd be thrilled, <laughs> s- thrilled, to know. Um, I was going to say I'm slightly annoyed that the FA Cup is this weekend because I feel like we need to keep up this momentum in the league. Obviously, it's going to—I'm sure—you'll change things around quite a lot. But you have to think that against Newcastle, who we kind of we have a pretty good record against Newcastle, don't, don't we? Um, that that's going to be. That's going to be a victory, and we're also playing him in the league not long after that, which I'm quite happy about. Really, I think Newcastle is the kind of team we can, we should, we should beat fairly convincingly. Um, Dean, what's your prediction for for the Arsenal Newcastle Cup game? I
1: hope Aubameyang starts. He'll do with a goal. I'm going to say two 0 Arsenal with Aubameyang to, to get on the score sheet.
0: Yeah, Josh.
2: Yeah, i would also go with 2-0 actually to uh to Arsenal. I mean there was a, there was a lot of um talk I think around Newcastle because they had Brentford in in the Carabao and obviously a chance to make it to a semi-final where they would have been facing Spurs and given how little Newcastle have have won in you know in in their history or certainly um you know for many decades now there was obviously huge pressure really to to at least do something to get to a to get to a cup final, which they've did. And then in 98, they played us and they were back there playing against United the following year, but you know, nothing, Uh, you know, you think what else is there for Newcastle to aspire to, but um, I think Arsenal will, will find a win. I think it will be a real mix of a, of a team. It'll be interesting whether he does, uh, he does give Arson another go after it didn't quite work oh, out gosh. against mm. Manchester city, but you almost think, well, maybe he does need another game to try and put that behind him as, as quickly as possible.
0: So we'll, yeah, I'd uh, say two
2: 0 two nil Arsenal.
0: Two nil. Okay. Oh, I can't predict him as well. So I'm going to go, um, I'm going to go three, one, three, one Arsenal. Um, well, we we will be back, uh, back after that to,
2: to see if we're right. We will be podcasting. Hopefully with Arsenal in the, uh, in the fourth round of the, uh, the FA Cup. And I mean, if, if Southampton can keep this uh, victory, I mean, we're only 10 points off top. Maybe, uh, maybe Dean can hope for a title yet. Yeah, it's not even just a top
0: four. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Dean, thanks very much. AF Camden you, on Twitter. Um, yeah. And uh, Josh, thank you very much as ever. And uh, yeah, as Josh says, we'll be back next week. See you then. Bye. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts,
1: visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party.
2: Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon.
1: Whoa, take it easy, Judy.